Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. All right, all right, Buckhead Church. How are we feeling this morning? Everybody doing all right? Awesome, come on, I love it, I love it. We got some energy, y'all didn't just wake up, like you've been up for a couple hours, you've had some coffee, I love it. Everyone who's tuning in online with us, welcome, we're so glad you're here. Desi crew, thanks for leading us, they'll be back at the end to lead us in a, a closing song. Yeah, it was amazing, I love, I love those guys. Um, but hey, listen, if we've never gotten the opportunity to meet, my name is Matt Noblet, and I get to lead our college ministry here at Buckhead, and maybe some of you are like, wow, I didn't even know that we had a college ministry, a college gathering here at Buckhead. If that's you, uh, I'd love to tell you about it just for a second. Our college gathering is called The Living Room. Here's a couple of pictures that'll scroll up here on the screen. Yeah, we got some TLR family in the room this morning. I love it. And uh, yeah, it's called The Living Room. It meets on Monday nights throughout the fall and spring semesters. So pretty much every Monday throughout the fall and spring we meet. And there are hundreds of college students from all across the city of Atlanta who gather in this space right here. Each week, about 600 plus college students gather in this room. And we begin the night by having uh, a meal together. Together. We serve them free dinner every week, which turns out is not like the worst way to get a college student interested in coming. You're just like, hey, Chick-fil-A sandwich. They're like, say no more. I'm there, you know? Um, and then after dinner, we, we gather and we have a service. We sing, we hear a message. And at the end of the night, uh, a ton of students go and, and process things. And there's small groups with adult leaders from here at Buckhead. Some of you are in the room. We have so many amazing adult leaders that lead our small groups. And it's a great opportunity for college students just to get to process things, process what they heard in the talk and the service. And um, just to have people that can help them walk through this unique season of their life together. So we're really excited in just a few weeks, our, our fall semester at the Living Room kicks off on Monday, August 30th, and our team has been working so hard and we're so expectant for all that God's gonna do this coming year. We haven't really met in person with our whole uh, TLR family for almost 18 months, for about a year and a half, since last March of 2020 is really the last time we all got to meet together at the Living Room um, in our college ministry. This past spring, we had a couple in-person gatherings, but a lot of our students, most of our students, in fact, were um, gone back home taking online classes, and so we're really excited. So here's what I'll say. If you're a college student in the room, college student watching online right now, we would love for you to be here on August 30th. We'd love for you to bring someone with you. Uh, if you know a college student who's maybe not here and maybe not even watching online, let them know that they should be here. I'm telling you, it really is a special uh, family, and it's awesome to get to be a part of what God's doing in college students all across our city. But a couple other things that'll help you get to know me just a little bit better. Um, I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Any fellow St. Louisans in the room this morning? 
Yeah, my guy Dan right here, what's up, bro? That's it though, awesome. Uh, thanks for repping hard, the Lou, Dan, I love you. Um, I moved from St. Louis to Atlanta about five years ago and I moved with my wife, Ann. Ann and I have been married now for just a little bit over eight years. Yeah, here's a picture of the family and um, marriage is awesome, Ann's awesome. She's here today, Ann, thanks for being here. Um, as if you like weren't gonna be here, I don't know, but thanks for coming. Uh, <laughs> these are our um, two, two little girls. This is Willow, Willow will be three in just a couple of months in October. And then this is Naomi, or as Willow likes to call her, Nomi, and that's kind of sticking. So this is Willow and Nomi. Nomi just turned eight weeks. So y'all can be praying for us. We're in it. And I made it here this morning by 7.30 a.m., but I have had a cup of coffee, so, and I needed it. So anyway, she's doing great. The fam's great. I love our family um, so much. And to be honest, y'all, I'm a, I'm a girl dad, and I'm embracing it, and, and can I be honest, I absolutely love it. I, I didn't know how I'd feel about it, but it's just been the best, so those, those are my people. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, this picture actually was taken when we were on a family beach trip, and it was a great trip, and our, our youngest, Nomi, she uh, obviously is you know, eight weeks old, so she's just trying to survive and make it through. You know, we were trying to get her to nap on the beach maybe once or twice a day, but it, we were just, you know, doing what we could, could do to make it through. But then our oldest, Willow, she's will be three in a couple of months. She is kind of at that stage now where she's a little bit more adventurous, right? And she's got older cousins and some aunts and uncles who are kind of wild and crazy, and like she's wanting to do what they're doing. And so the first couple of days, Willow's kind of like me, like she's a little bit cautious and hesitant with things at first. She doesn't like to take a lot of risk. She doesn't really know how to swim yet either. And so we were kind of like, okay, Willow, like you wanna get in and you know, to the ocean. And she was like, oh, maybe. And she's like, oh, you know, no, I don't wanna get wet. And I'm like, well, that's gonna be a problem, you know? But by like day five or six of the beach trip, the last day of the trip, she was becoming more courageous, more brave. And she was like, dad, let's get in the ocean. Let's get out there. So I like picked her up and we would go to this beach in South Carolina. So the waves, at least for me, seem a little bit bigger, a little bit more aggressive. And so we're in the water and I'm going out with her and Willow's telling me to go further and further out. And so I'm like, okay, this is good. And the waves are just like crashing on us, right? Like they're hitting us and Willow is loving it. She's having the time of her life. She's smiling from ear to ear and she's just saying, this is so great. And her cousins, you know, are out in the water and her uncles and she's looking around at them. In fact, she starts saying, guys, after like every wave that comes, she starts saying, guys, look out, another wave is coming. It's coming, it's coming. I'm like, you were so right, Willow. And everyone's like, thank you for the, you know, the warning. And that night, eventually I got pretty tired. Like the waves were coming and after like 15 or 20 minutes, literally and being in the water, I was like, hey, look, I'm getting tired. It's, you're getting bigger. It's hard to hold you and get these waves and try to keep my balance with the undertow and everything like that. And that night while we were coming in and we were kind of winding down and um, we were eating dinner and then we put the kids down and I just was kind of thinking about the day and I was thinking back to that moment in the ocean with Willow and I was thinking, man, that kind of feels a little bit about lo like life, right? Where oftentimes in life, it just feels like things just keep coming. And you want it to slow down, you want things to pause just for a second so you can kind of get up and you know, like figure out what's going on and catch up on things, but often it doesn't feel that way. Oftentimes I realize that I feel exactly how I did in that moment where man, I'm just trying to get through this, I'm trying for life to slow down, but it doesn't feel like life is slowing down at all. And usually what happens for me is then I start to feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough as a dad, I could be doing more. I'm not doing enough as a husband, as a son, as a friend, as a team leader. I'm not doing enough as a pastor. In fact, over the past few weeks, I've talked to a couple college students who have just people that I have relationships with who have, who have reached out to me saying, hey, Matt, can we talk? And so we've lined up a time to talk. We've gotten on the phone 
And they've just started to open up to me about some things going on in their life, some personal struggles that they're walking through, some worries that they have for their future, some stress they're feeling, some, some relationship issues that they're having in their life. And yes, they're calling me just to let me in on it so that I can hold them accountable, so that I know about this. Maybe they're seeking some practical wisdom and advice, but they're also calling me because they know that I'm a pastor. And they're saying, Matt, if this is how I feel about me right now, then it must be how God feels about me too, right? And I would imagine that it's not just me who feels that way in certain moments, feels tired, wonders how God feels about me. Like if I'm feeling this way, God must feel this way too. I would imagine it's not just college students and young adults who feel this way either. I would imagine it's all of us at times that in certain seasons of our life, we begin to feel unsure, maybe unclear, maybe even a bit fatigued, like we just aren't quite doing enough. And we begin to believe that if we feel this way about ourselves, then it must be how God feels towards us as well. And come on, just for a second, if we can get real. Walking through a year like 2020 and even into 2021, can't we all relate? Like we know what it's like to walk through circumstances in life that are uncertain, not knowing what's coming next, but feeling like, man, the waves, the things just keep on coming. I can't get a break. We know what it's like to begin to wonder and doubt. Over the past year and a half, we have all felt a bit fatigued, I'm sure. In fact, maybe some of you are like, Matt, the question is not, have I felt fatigued? The question is, when have I not felt fatigued? Because maybe it's hard to even remember an extended period of time over this last year and a half where you haven't felt extremely exhausted, extremely fatigued. And maybe you're like me, and in those moments, you begin to think, I know exactly what I'm up against. I know the things that I'm struggling with in my life. I see all the decisions that I'm making and the current status of my relationships. I see, I see my marriage. I see the way that I've responded to that situation with my son or daughter just a few days ago. I can easily assess what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. And sometimes maybe, just maybe, you just wonder, does God feel the same way? And I believe whether you're in the room today or watching online and you're a Jesus follower or not, that we all have moments in life where we wonder, how does God truly feel about me? And so the question I wanna ask you this morning, and I think it's a very important question. In fact, I think it's one of the most important questions you could ever consider in your life. Maybe it's a question that many of you have never really thought about before, you've never been asked before, but it's, it's this question right here. What do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? What do you think God thinks whenever he thinks about you? And my guess is that for some of you, if you're being honest, you're like, man, it's a good question. Give me a second. Um, Matt, it, it maybe kind of depends on the season. Like a couple of weeks ago, my answer would have probably been, God probably doesn't think that well of me. He's probably not really that happy with me because a couple of weeks ago, Matt, you know, things weren't going so well at work. I had conflict with some coworkers. I don't feel like I handled it really well. Things weren't going really that well at home. You know, uh, I had relationships that I feel like I just, I just, things again were kind of falling apart and I just wasn't in good rhythms, Matt. Like I was, you know, responding with, with anger in situations and didn't feel like I had self-control. And so a couple of weeks ago, 
God probably didn't feel too, too high on me. But, but, but Matt, today, like these past few days, I think it's kind of shifted. Maybe some of you are like, no, like I feel like I've been doing good. And, and right now, Matt, I'm at Buckhead Church. Like I'm sitting here. So in this moment, surely God feels pretty good about me. I'm here, you know, we're, we're at church Sunday. This is where I need to be, right? And if you think that way, even just a little bit, like when I asked that question, what do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? If even just for a moment, you thought, well, it depends, like, how I'm doing, then what you're saying is God's perspective, the way God thinks about you can be edited. It can be edited kind of based on how you're living. And really what we're saying is our performance somehow dictates God's perspective. Have you ever thought this before? That like, if you're living well, making good decisions, you know, not sinning a whole lot, then God probably feels really great about you. He loves you a lot in that moment. But if you're not doing so well, not making the best choices, then God's response towards you maybe reflects that as well. But, but what if I told you this morning that the way God thinks about you, the way he thinks about every single one of us is actually not edited at all, but it's, it's explicit. And I realize that word explicit can carry potentially a negative connotation. Like you hear explicit, you're like, whoa, isn't explicit bad? Well, this is actually the definition of explicit. Explicit means to be stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. That's what explicit means. It's like this. Have you ever heard an edited song on the radio, like the clean version of a song, you know? And you listen to it on the radio and you're like, oh, that song's pretty good. Like it's, it's clean, it's got a good message. These lyrics are good. Like I love it. I'm gonna play this like with my kids in the car tonight on the way to dinner. And then you're in the car and you got like your high school and middle schooler in the back seat and you're like, yo, I heard this song today. And you put, this, you put this song up, like you sync up, you know, however it works for you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but you sync up your, you know, your, your phone to your, your speakers in your car and you're like, hey kids, I heard this song today. And you like pull it up on YouTube. You just click the first video and the song starts to play. And they're like, mom, how do you know this song? And you're like, well, I'm just, I still got it, kids, you know? And it starts to play and the chorus hits and you're like, whoa, these are not the same lyrics. And what has happened is, is you now have clicked on the explicit version of the song, not the edited version, the clean version of the song, the version that's made for the radio. And you know this to be true. I don't have to convince you of this. When you go from edited to explicit, it changes things. And that's not just true with music. That's true in life. If someone's like, hey, how do you feel about me? And they give you the edited version, but then behind your back, they go and give someone else the explicit version, it changes things. Things change when they go from edited to explicit. And so this morning, I wanna give my best attempt to give you the most unedited, explicit, clear version of the gospel. And we're gonna do that through the lens of a letter that's found in the New Testament called Ephesians. Let me give you a little context for Ephesians before we dive in. Paul, the apostle Paul wrote this letter. Paul was a close follower of Jesus. He's writing this letter to the church or to the believers in Ephesus, the town of Ephesus. And Paul writes this letter from a prison cell. And in the first part of this letter, really the first half of this letter, the first three chapters, Paul is explicitly or clearly reminding the people of the gospel. Gospel is a word that simply means good news. He's reminding the people in Ephesus, the believers in Ephesus, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for the next few minutes, we're gonna unpack this text together. We're gonna take a look at some, some parts from Ephesians 1 and Ephesians chapter 2, and we're gonna unpack this together because I believe that the truth in this text makes the gospel, it makes the good news of Jesus 
so clear and so explicit, and it could give you and I a clear answer to what God thinks when he thinks about you. Because when you clearly see what God thinks about you, it changes things. So let's dive in. Ephesians chapter one, beginning in verse one, this is what Paul writes. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So pause just for a second. Paul's saying, hey, God has blessed us. He's given us everything that we need in this life. And Paul's not saying that God has just blessed us with material earthly blessings, things that we oftentimes desire, things that we chase after. Paul's saying, no, 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 it's far better than that. God has blessed us with things that are spiritual blessings, things that don't just last for a moment, but things that last beyond uh, this lifetime even. He's blessed us with things like peace, and joy and hope and purpose. Paul goes on, he says, for, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Paul says, hey, God has chosen us. And he didn't just choose us to save us from our sins. That's a big part of it. But he also chose us so that we could live lives that are holy, that lives that are set apart, lives that look different, lives that point others towards him as well. And he chose us, and then in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It goes on, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption. Keep going. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So Paul says, hey, through faith in Jesus, we can have redemption, we have a hope, we have a second chance, our sins can be forgiven, and when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then guess what, we can be adopted into the family of God. We can claim that we are a son, we are a daughter of God through the finished work of Jesus, through his death and resurrection. All those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, in this good news, they can be adopted into the family of God. Paul goes on just a little bit later, a few verses later, he says, when you believed, Again, speaking to the believers in Ephesus, so when you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. I wanna lean into this idea of being marked just for, for a second. Because I think for many of us, when we think about being marked, we think, yeah, Matt, I feel marked by a lot of things in my life. Maybe you feel marked by a whole lot of things that you wish could be erased. You feel marked by things you don't wanna be marked by. Maybe you feel marked by your, your past, marked by struggles, marked by hurt, marked by worry and stress, marked by insecurities. But can I just let you in on this? For all of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, God marked you on purpose when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. You've been marked with the Holy Spirit of God. Paul expounds on that a couple of verses later, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He goes on, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power, don't miss this, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. 
So for all of you who are in Christ, all of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus at some point in your life, you were marked with the Holy Spirit and you might say, well, what kind of power does the Holy Spirit give me? Well, Paul says it's an incomparably great power. In fact, it's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that kind of power. Paul's saying all of you who have put your faith in Jesus, you've been marked on purpose for a purpose. You have been marked with the Holy Spirit on purpose, yes, guaranteeing your inheritance that is to come one day in heaven, but you've also not just been marked on purpose, you've been marked for a purpose to bring the kingdom of heaven down here to earth right here, right now. So if you're in Christ, you've put your faith in Jesus at some point in your life, don't forget that. Paul is calling these believers to remember because isn't it true, sometimes we can so easily forget. We, we forget what Jesus has done for us. We forget who we are in Christ, the position that we now have. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and when you think about the gospel, you kind of feel like, yeah, I, I remember when I first heard it, it was years ago, maybe many years ago. And man, it was good news, it was exciting at the time. But I don't think about it that much now, you know? Like uh, from time to time it comes up, you know? And I remember it and I recall it. Conversation, conversations about it sometimes happen, I think on it a little bit, but it's just not the same, you know? And, and yeah, like I, I walked in this morning and Matt, you said, you know, you were gonna be you know, speaking on the gospel and I kinda was like, okay, this will be good, but I kinda know where he's going, I'm sure. And, and maybe you've been kinda a little bit zoned out, like checking your phone, checking on the Olympic gold medal count, you know, how are we doing, what, what happened in the swim relays last night? I won't say anything, some of you spoiler alerts. Um, but maybe that's where you are if you're just being honest, if you're a Christ follower, I'm speaking to the Christ followers in the room. But when it comes to the gospel, you're kinda like, that, that was back there. And yes, I, I realize that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, you were called now to go live it out and move forward. But the question that's been hitting me really hard and that I've been wrestling with over the past really couple of weeks as I've been preparing for today is this question right here. Does it feel like you have graduated from the gospel of Jesus Christ? The believers in the room. Does it ever just feel like you've kind of graduated? You've moved on? from the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does it feel like the gospel has become kind of stale in your life? Even when others talk about it, you know, they just received it, you're like, oh, great, that's great for you. If so, then can I just strongly urge you to consider bringing yourself back to the gospel once again? Try to go back to that time when you first heard it, when you first received it, because if the gospel has become stale, then maybe we're forgetting. Maybe we need to be reminded, just as Paul is reminding the people in Ephesus of what the gospel truly is. The gospel is not that you just once were a bad person and now you're a little bit better person. No, 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 it's so much better than that. The gospel is that you once were dead, but now you're alive. Spiritually, you were dead, but now you're alive. May the gospel of Jesus Christ never become stale old news for us and we feel like we've graduated and moved on. No, may we get stuck in it. And every single day we wake up and we think on it and say, man, if it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus, I would have no hope. I would be dead. Paul goes on, I think he wanted the people to, to really know this gospel message and how important it was. And look at what he says, Ephesians chapter two, verse one. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. 
This is strong language he's using here. He says, you were dead. You were incapacitated. You had no hope. Your sin has separated you from God. It's created this barrier, this chasm between you and God. Paul goes on, says, but here's the hope. For it is by grace, he's reminding the people of this good news. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul's saying it's by grace You've been saved. Grace is a word that simply means undeserved favor. Grace is God giving us, it's God giving you, it's God giving me what we do not deserve. We could never earn it. All we can do is receive it. How do you receive it? Through faith, not by works, through faith in Jesus Christ. Essentially what Paul's saying is that salvation is found by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Salvation is found no other way. It's found by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. For, for some of you who are maybe in the room, and if you're anything like me, I'm the kind of guy that when I uh, am reading a book or like hearing something, I like to just kind of get to the end so that I can hear like the summary because sometimes I zone out a little bit, you know, and I'm like, let, let me just like read the last sentence. Anyone else like that? Like you just jump to the end, you know, and you're like, how is the book? And you're like, good, I read 330 pages actually in, in 15 minutes. It's like, how'd you do that? It's like, well, I just read like, you know, every closing paragraph of the 12 chapters. That's not the right way to read a book, but it's somehow, sometimes how I, how I do. And um, maybe you're like that. And you're like, Matt, can you just sum it up for me? Like you've zoned out. If that's you, tune in right here. Let me, let me sum it up for you. Here it is. God created. God created everything that we see, all the beauty in our world, the mountains, the ocean, uh, the, the rivers, the people, everything we see, God created. But then we messed up. We sinned. We fell short. We missed the mark. And we continually miss the mark time and time again. And so God recognized this. God recognized our greatest need. If our greatest need was finances, then God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need was fun, then God would have sent an entertainer. But no, God saw that our greatest need was our sins, so he sent a savior. God sent Jesus and Jesus paid the penalty. So that now, through faith in Jesus, we can have redemption. We have hope. We can have a second chance. This is good news. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God thinks about you, then look at what he did for you. If you wanna know exactly what God thinks about you, what do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? If you wanna know how God would respond to that question, just look at what he did for you. Look no further than Jesus. I'll, I'll close with, with this story. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago we were uh, at the beach and one of the mornings I woke up and it was kind of earlier and no one else was really awake except I could hear my oldest daughter, Willow, uh, moving around. And so I went in there and I got her up and I was like, hey, Willow, I was like, hey, do you want to um, go get a donut with dad for breakfast? And she was like, 
no, dad, let's just get some blueberries and blackberries and raspberries. No, she's like, yeah, absolutely. I want the donut, dad. Um, <laughs> some of y'all were like, whoa, like, what are you doing? Like, let's talk, you know, can your willow talk to my kid? Um, no, she was like, donut, 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 let's go, let's go. You know, so we get in the car and we immediately start going. That's me and willow. She, she hated the donut, um, every bit of it. Um, but we're there and it was awesome. And we were like the only people in the bakery. It was early, you know, we're eating this donut. She's like, can I have another? I'm like, no, like mom doesn't even know about this. Don't tell her, you know? Um, but can I be honest with you, this, this time for me, this, these 40 minutes or so that Willow and I spent in the bakery before everyone else was kind of up before the day got started, um, I was kind of just in my feels a little bit as a dad. Some of you dads, you, you can relate with me, you know? Like, we're not gonna show it. I'm, I'm not gonna show you how I was in my feels, but I was, I was in the, my feels, you know? And I was kind of just reflecting back on being Willow's dad and things we've walked through. And I, I specifically started thinking back to about two and a half years ago, March 13th, 2019, to be exact. And March 13th, 2019 was a really important day for our family because it was the day that Willow officially and legally became a knoblet. The day that she legally, officially became a part of our family. The adoption process had been finalized. But it all didn't just happen in that one moment. Like that wasn't it, it wasn't just this quick process. Now, let me rewind back with you about two years prior to that moment, March 13, 2019. So this is like early on in 2017. My wife and I had just moved to Atlanta. We were settling in. We started having more conversations about what it would look like to grow our family. And we started praying about it. We started talking about it. We started talking to others about it, seeking out some wise counsel. Eventually, we just felt like we were called to start our family through adoption. So we were like, we don't really even know what this means. But we just started taking steps down that path. We started studying and reading books and, and Googling different adoption agencies and reading up on it and going some, some consultations here and there because it was all part of the process. And then a few months later, we decided we're gonna go with this agency. We feel like this is the one we're supposed to go with. And so we kind of went to that agency and we went to a few more classes and then we filled out a whole lot of paperwork. And then we waited and we got home studies done and filled out more paperwork. Again, this is all a part of the process. And then we just waited. All in all, the process took about 18 or so months. And finally, towards the end of these 18 months, we got a call from Willow's birth mom, not directly from her, but from someone representing her, saying, hey, you've matched with a birth mom. A birth mom has chosen your profile book. She's chosen you as the family she wants her daughter to be adopted into. And once we got that call, things happened pretty fast. Things moved pretty quickly. It was really just a matter of days. We got the call that birth mom was going into labor. We drove as fast as we can to the state where Willow was being born. We got there just in time to meet her the night she was born, met birth mom, still have a great relationship with her to this day. And then we had to wait for a few weeks for paperwork and things to go through and get finalized before we could cross back over state lines back into the state of Georgia and then come back home to Atlanta and then once we got back home into Atlanta, Willow now is about a month old, we, we had to wait a few more months until Willow was about five or six months old and now all the paperwork, the legal paperwork of the adoption process had all officially now been finalized. And the judge reaches out via email and says, hey, let's line up a time to have this conversation to finalize the process. So we line up a time and on March 13th, 2019, we go in and the call was about five, maybe 10 minutes. Judge asked us a couple questions. We said, yes, yes. And then he said some words that I'll never forget. He said these words right here. 
He said, Willow Hope is now your child forevermore. Now, I have to be honest with you. In this moment right here, nothing about my affections for my daughter Willow shifted or changed in that moment. I loved Willow the most that my human heart possibly could love her in that moment. And after I heard these words, it didn't shift. I didn't love her anymore. I already loved Willow the most I possibly could. But what did happen is in one moment, with just a few words, the relationship was solidified forevermore. That from this point forward, forevermore, I would get to be Willow's dad and she would get to be my daughter. The relationship was solidified. And here's what I wanna say to somebody today. Just like we went through this whole process. God already went through the whole process for you. He already went through the whole process for you and nothing you could ever do or say right now could shift or change his affections for you in this moment. He loves you unconditionally. We can't even fathom that type of love, but that's the type of love that God has for you. And some of you I know right now, you're debating with me hard in your mind. You're like, Matt, you're wrong. You don't know me, man. You don't know what I've gone through. I don't, but what I do know is it doesn't matter. God loves you immensely in this moment. That can never change. You can never change that. His affections for you won't shift. But in one moment, with just a few words, you could solidify the relationship between you and your heavenly father, God, forevermore. In one moment. Forevermore, you could say, this is my heavenly father and I am his child. So for the believer in the room, the Christ follower, the way that God views you has been made clear. It's been made explicit. Don't forget it. Don't forget the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take yourself back to that moment when you first heard its truth and listen, go back there often. Things are gonna happen. Waves in life are gonna keep coming, but God is with you and he's for you. Don't forget that. And for the non-believer in the room, the person who's never put your faith and trust in this gospel of Jesus, maybe today is the first time you've heard this good news. The good news of the truth that there is a God who loves you, a God who is crazy about you. A God who loves you just as you are. God can only meet you right where you are. And so if that's you, I, I would love to give you an opportunity today to put your faith and trust in Jesus, to solidify the relationship forevermore. Why wait? So here's what I'm gonna ask. If you would, heads bowed all across the room, heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment of concentration. If today for the very first time in your life, you wanna put your faith and trust in the good news of Jesus. And I'm just gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me. And I wanna be clear, this prayer doesn't save you. This prayer just solidifies the work that God is doing in your heart. You don't have to pray this out loud. You can pray this quietly in your heart, however you wanna do it. But if that's you, just pray this, these words. Just say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner in desperate need of a savior.
I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. And I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in Jesus's death and resurrection. And I wanna follow Jesus from this day forward the best way that I know how, in Jesus' name. If you would, keep your heads bowed for just a moment longer. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time in your life, just put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. With heads bowed all across the room, would you just shoot your hand up at me and make eye contact with me so I can see who you are? If you just prayed that prayer, I see you right here. I'm looking around, I see two hands over here. I see you, I see you. I'm looking around, please. That's amazing, looking up in the balcony. That's awesome, you can put your hands down. Everybody can pick their heads back up if you would. If there's anything I've learned over the past year and a half, um, walking through what we've walked through, walking through the pandemic, um, it's that the church is not just a building. The church is a body. The church is people. The church is a family. And as a family, one of the things that I think healthy families do often is healthy families celebrate with and for one another when big things happen. And Buckhead Church family, here's what I wanna tell you about, is that there were a bunch of people, I've, a bunch of hands, probably some hands I didn't even recognize, some people online even, who just raised their hand and said, I put my faith and trust in Jesus for the very first time today. I just went from death to life. Scriptures say all of heaven rejoices over one person who turns towards Jesus. We just saw a, a, a few people, at least, so here's what I would love to do just for a moment, if we could as a family, for a moment, could we just celebrate with those people and let them know how proud we are of them, how excited for them? Can we just celebrate for a minute? Yeah, absolutely, come on, it's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating, yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Whew. We're gonna close with this song. Desi's gonna come back out and lead us. I would encourage you to stay in this moment if you can. And there's a line in this song that says, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. He's my hope and firm foundation. He will never let me down. And if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus today for the very first time, you get to sing this, these lyrics, these truths in a fresh way. Whoo! You get to sing these lyrics in a fresh way saying, man, that just became true for me moments ago. I put my faith in Jesus like today, my anchor to the ground forevermore. He's my hope and firm foundation. He's not gonna let me down. Not saying everything in your life is gonna go perfect, but you have a hope, you have an anchor that can get you through it all. If you're a believer in Jesus, hopefully you can sing these words today, maybe in a refreshing way. Maybe you just need to come back to it in these next few minutes. Maybe you don't even need to sing. You just need to soak it in and you just need to say, come on, God, remind me of this good news. Remind me that you are my anchor. You are my only hope. Without you, I have no hope for the future. And if you're in the room and you're just still curious, you're on this journey, you're not there yet, can I one say, keep coming. This is a safe place for you. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, you can say, what if these words are true? What if it's true? Maybe you're tired, you're exhausted, you've been trying to figure it out. Maybe you can just say, God, if this is true, if you really are an anchor, if you really are my only hope, if you really do love me, would you speak to me in this moment? So here's what I'd love for us to do. The band's gonna come out, they're gonna lead us. I'm gonna close this in a prayer. Would you, would you stand as I pray? And then we're gonna go into this closing song.
Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for what you've done today in the lives of many who are here in the room, who are online as well. God, thank you for the gospel, the good news that we have hope because of a man named Jesus who died in our place. He died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose victorious so that now we can have redemption, so that now we can boldly and confidently sing words like, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. You are our anchor in the midst of every season. God, you never let us down. And we pray all this today in your mighty, matchless, holy name. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.